Welcome to Empire Building, the podcast where we talk about building big businesses and even bigger lives. I'm your co-host, Bea Williams. And I'm Sarah Reynolds. And oh my goodness, you guys, I'm excited about today because we are going to talk to, honestly, one of V and I's uh, very best friends, Kimber Minkiti. And Kimber is one of the most impressive business leaders in the entire nation, actually in the globe honestly, on the globe. Yeah. Um, she happens, like I said, to be one of our best friends. And what I love about watching her journey is that she has broken, honestly, glass ceiling after glass ceiling, while at the same time being a remarkable wife and mom. And one and of the friend, things that, you know, yes, a great friend, friend too. Yes, absolutely. And one of the things that we uh, sort of committed to with our listeners is that we would talk about how to have uh, big businesses and even bigger lives. And she is one that when you watch her, when you study her, when you learn from her, you see so much of her uh, big business, yeah. but then at the same time, her big life. So I'm excited about today. Well, yeah, and that's right, Sarah. And the other thing we committed to is profiling incredible role models and leaders, you know, too. And so we, I know we don't do a lot of interviews. So I think you and I are really looking forward to this one. I know that we both think really highly of Kimber. So Kimber, welcome. And thank you so much for spending time with us. We we know you're busy. I mean, talk about empire building. You've got about 50 of them. So, yes. you know. <laughs> the fact that we get you is like a big deal. So thank you. Um, and, and you know, if it's okay, Kimber, I'm going to give you a little intro. And I, and I think it's best if I just toss to you, maybe have you walk us through kind of what, what the last 15 years of your life has looked like, right? But in the meanwhile, I'll share with everybody, you and your husband, Bo, run a, a massive real estate empire in Washington, D.C., you know, you started off as real estate agents, became brokerage owners, uh, highly successful sales team, real estate sales team owners, commercial and residential property owners. And now you guys are into mixed use opportunity zone development and, and all sorts of uh, property development, uh, residential too, I believe, commercial, residential, and mixed use uh, all around the area. You are the regional director and divisional director for Keller Williams in your, your region. You're the immediate past president of the DC Association of Realtors. Are you guys getting the drift? Are you guys getting the drift? Yeah. You, <laughs> you are Washington Business Journal's 40 under 40. And drum roll, please. Because I think after all of that, drum roll, please. You have four boys. Yes. Four boys under 12. <laughs> and the youngest is one. <laughs> <laughs> and I've survived for the last 15 months. <laughs> yes, and I, I don't curse, but she's she's a bad butt, right? But with the other word. So a complete one, like amazing, amazing. No. <laughs> what? <laughs> Seriously. Sometimes when I hear it, though, I'm like, that can't be all. Like, you know, like it, it, oh. yeah, it started... In a, Crazy. In a <laughs> so, so Kimber, I know that when you came to Washington D.C., you know, you graduated from college, came to D.C., and you started off in nonprofit. I think it would be great for everybody if you can just, you know, walk us through how in the world you got from nonprofit to where you are now. I love it. Well, my thank you guys for that introduction, and it's so good to be with you all. And I love the work that you're doing and the conversations you're having. So appreciate. The chance to, to chat with you. So my background was in social work, right? I'm a trained social worker. That's why I got my undergrad and my master's in. And so just really knew I always wanted to, to be playing a role in impacting communities and started in a, a school, actually a high school in Southeast DC. And Bo and I met um, just before that while we were both working together at a nonprofit college summit, which is a 
organization that helps low-income high school seniors get into college. Mm. And so it, it really, you know, our world and this idea of like how you could create impact started for us very early in both our relationship and then as, as the businesses grew. And so part of that was living in the middle of Washington, D.C., but was living in Columbia Heights, was watching that neighborhood really transform and seeing the impact that real estate had. And so had a few like weeks off and, and decided to get his real estate license and became pretty quickly the rookie of the year, 30 under 30, and realized there was a real business between leveraging the, the ability to, to build have resources, right? The income that's generated in residential real estate and then use that to be able to impact the communities where we lived and we worked. So that was sort of the, the start of it. I was doing social work still at the time. We were just getting married. Uh, and so I joined him thinking, same thing, part-time, maybe a part-time real estate agent and just kind of like help this little family business that we were starting back in 2006. And here we are, like That's all. 15 That's years all. later. Like, a lot <laughs> I, what, I, yeah. what I love about the two of you as, as a couple is just your, your drive for this, having the same heart driven by the same heart. That's sort of what brought you guys together. And you still see it today. I mean, how long have you been married now? 15 years. 15 years. years. Yeah. And it still shines shines today. So I love that. So, okay. So you're a remarkable wife. Okay. Remarkable mom. How in the world do you do all that we just listed? (laughs) Like, how do you do it all? Can you just tell us, tell us the secrets? I know. Well, (laughs) And I love it because we, you know, we have right a chance to talk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think the first reality, and of course, I get asked that a lot, right? And the reality is like, you don't. Like, it's all an illusion. Like, people are like, you list all those things and they're like, oh my goodness, how do you do it all and have it not be completely crazy? And I'm like, because it's, I, I just embrace the fact that it's completely crazy. And everyone's like, tell me your secrets to balance. And I'm like, well, the first secret is that balance is a lie. It doesn't actually exist. (laughs) Like you're not actually ever like perfectly balanced. Like things are particularly in the last 16 months, right? Of of this world we've been living in, like stuff is breaking inside the business, inside the home. And you're just like, you're, you're trying to get through. And it's that bigger vision. I think that bigger Mm. why that really holds a lot of it all together for our family. So you don't do it all. You, you counterbalance. So what does that look like? Yes. What does counterbalancing look like in your life? What's an example? Yeah, well, I think a big example is like knowing where you need resources, right? So one of our very good friends, Tiffany, who I think is on a, a earlier episode that books should go back Tiffany and check Fikes. out, uh, talks about Tiffany Fikes, right? Talks about like, it doesn't matter for her, right? It didn't matter who made the dinner. What mattered is that she ate it with her kids. And that was like a huge aha me for me of like, you know what? Like I'm, I'm unapologetic that like, I do have people in our house that help with those things. And that allows me to really have the time that's most important. And I get to spend, I get to put my kids to bed at night. I get to have, you know, the meals with them, you know, but I don't, I don't drive to every single hockey practice and I just have to be okay with that. Right. So some of it's, where is the, where are the places of leverage so that I can spend the time, right? Like you, you see in our world, we have a big business. And so that the ability to push through a lot of those ceilings requires time. Like we like to believe that that's all done in this perfect 30 hour work week. And it isn't, it takes a lot of hours, which means I get back on the computer when my kids go to bed. It means I get up at, you know, six o'clock if I want to work out in the mornings. <laughs> that's been the beauty of the pandemic, right? I get a few extra hours, <laughs> not having to like schlep to a gym. So those are the things like that you have to create those, both commitments. and. I, I think this is gold, you guys. I want I want our listeners to just really hear what Kimber just said because honestly, well, really, you have permission, right? Uh, you have permission to not do all the things, right? Stop putting all the pressure on yourself to do all the things. And one hundred percent. I mean, we're we're here with someone that has 
done amazing things, accomplished amazing things, and at the same time is such a present mom and wife, and it's not perfect, and it's it's a mess at times. And the first sort of step is to give yourself permission to not do all the things, to not do all the things. So I love that. And to really embrace what you enjoy, right, Sarah? Like, I don't actually really like to cook. And so, like, I was sort of embarrassed of that. Like, I'm a mom of four kids. I should, like, be making dinner. I don't actually like that. So I just, like, release the idea of, like, really embracing what you want to be doing. absolutely. I love that. For for sure. And, And it's not just give yourself permission. I think it's learn to enjoy life with messes. I think it's, like, deeper than that. I think a lot of people, like, get stressed with that. And you just have to kind of live this, I think, priority life, which you exemplify, Kimber. You're so clear on your priorities, right? You are willing to let everything get messy. So, but let's get granular. Let's get granular. Four kids, husband. I don't, I lost count of how many like business entities and partnerships and roles you're involved with. What, you know, what is kind of a typical day or week look like for you? Yeah, I am heavily, heavily scheduled. So I live by the calendar. And so that's interesting because people I get told a lot by my team, like, you're just so busy. And that probably is true. Like I schedule at least a week out, right? So if you want to grab lunch with me, that's harder to do right? <laughs> because I run a tight schedule and I we really work to create air in the schedule. But that means like I, I huddle with my team every morning. So like, right, getting up super early, giving some time to work out, getting time with my kids. I get my kids off to school in the morning now that they're back to school getting to hang out with the baby for a few minutes. And then I huddle with my team starting at 8.15. And that's like, every year, I've got several different teams. So I've got two different huddles that we get on. But by nine o'clock, we've already had the check-ins with everybody and we're off and running. And so those are like, right, we've got either standing meetings, standing check-in calls. Because of the, the scope that I have the opportunity to manage, it means I've got to have those opportunities to check in with my teams. And those are like really highly organized meetings. We have you know, what we're looking at in terms of metrics, what are the numbers, we're checking on those every week, everyone's coming together, that's sort of our recharge. And then I leave a lot of times in the afternoons for trainings, for one-on-ones, check-ins. It's a tight schedule. And one of the things I'm most proud of in the last few months is really, I have a fabulous new chief of staff. And so we agreed like, lunches are important. <laughs> so like, we should, there should be air in the schedule. We talk a lot about thinking time and just like, are you... In, has a Zoom world created a world where you just like move from For black box sure, to black box yes. and you're yes. not getting time, right? So creating some air. And I realized like I'm such a better leader when I have a few minutes to like yes. think between meetings, grab a bite to eat, grab some water, like, you know, and, and come back and really refresh. Yep. And I, I love that, Kimber. Now, are do you do the same with personal? So for example, like baby time, right? Like, is that on the calendar? I love it. Absolutely. Well, yes. our boys, it has to be, right? Especially as the schedule's coming back in. And we really use a lot of their activities as, as good mm-hmm. one-on-one time. Because, you know, like shoveling four kids to an ice hockey game is, is doesn't actually mean you get to enjoy the game. And when you miss the goal, like, right, my eight-year-old's like, did you see the one goal I made all season? And if I'm like, no, because your brother was climbing yes. on with me. <laughs> so so we, we really leverage that time to that. also be good time to just focus individually with the boys. Uh, and really get those one-on-one dates, which with each of our boys, it's been something Bo and I really prioritized. And then time with each other. You know, I'm curious, Kimber, I was listening to you kind of walk through walk through your day. And, and what struck me, and, and I'm wondering if it's, it would strike other people, is there's a lot of skills you've built up. Like as you were talking through that, I'm like, gosh, she really knows how to run a good meeting. You know, that, that mm. sounds great. She really knows how to, you know, create her time management and her schedule. And, you know, what skills have you had to kind of master to be able to juggle as much as you juggle? Oh, I love that. I think I'm super efficient, right? Like I do not, which in some ways I loved this, that about this, the gift of the last period of time, because 
it's allowed for a lot of efficiencies. And so we are always like, okay, we have agendas, right? So we know what we're trying to accomplish at the top of a meeting. Why are we here? What do we need to do? And what are the action items? So if I think about the two anchors of like, what are we trying to accomplish? And then what are the action items? And then who's actually acting on those items to bring back? I was like note taking, right? Like who on the team is taking the notes of what the commitments are for the meeting? Because a lot of times we meet and then you come back in a week and you're like, what did we say we were going to do? And really being able to have that be a clear cadence of, of what, what action is coming, like what decisions do we make and what action. What's the most important skill you think you've learned in the last year? Ooh, the most important skill that I've learned in the last year. You know, I do think part of it has been in some ways saying no, right? Like for a lot of us, this bit, especially, you know, we've talked about this. I'm a crisis leader. Like I'm the girl you want when this thing went down. Like I was like, all right, team, we're in it. And that, that was, we were like a marathon. And for a lot of us, we came out of the blocks, like we were going for a sprint. And then we literally looked up and we're yes. like, oh my God. Like, yes. All three of us. All apart. three of us. Yes. Everything is falling yes. apart. And we are all three really good <laughs> yes. in a crisis. Yes. Yeah. yes. And so what I learned was sort of that, that ability to prep for a marathon, that I had to have mm. opportunities to recharge. Like I couldn't just power through and like take every nap time and like mm. jump back on my computer and get all in because I actually showed up as a weaker leader the next week because I was exhausted, right? And so that we talk a lot about self-care and I'm kind of like, whatever, like it's, it's a softer topic. And yet I feel like one of the biggest lessons I've learned is like, okay, am I really, what does that actually look like for me? How do I start to like, we, we, what's the exercise, right? What have you done to take care of yourself in the last six months? And I was really proud in this last six months. I feel like I actually have a list of things that I, I couldn't have said that <laughs> a year ago. What I love about what you're saying is the... And all that you're doing, you're having a purpose. And I, I know that sounds like, that can sound simple to us at times, but like, it's actually honestly one of the most complicated things. Like what purpose does each thing on your calendar have, right? And so being very purposeful about your time, making sure that you know, why are you in that meeting? It could be also, what I heard you say is, what's the purpose of watching your son's game is to have, uh, be present there, which means you can't have all the boys with you when you're there. Like there, everything has a has a purpose and making sure that we're ju- not just using our time for the sake of using the time, but that each each item has a purpose. I think that, w- that was gold in what you're saying, taking so many notes right now. I know. It's so good. Kimber, I have a question. You are cool as a cucumber. You yes. are. You exemplify that. And and I'm curious, is that a learned behavior or is that just something that's always been natural for you? I think it's been pretty natural. And I think, you know, probably early on in, in the, my time in the industry, um, and somebody said like, one, we're supposed to be the calmest people in the room, right? And while we, while we do is critically important because we're creating housing and and that's vital. We, I don't like cure cancer and I'm not saving a life. And most of the time, if I don't get back to somebody yeah. in 30 minutes, nobody died, right? So it, that piece of like just that perspective, and frankly, you know, I came out of the nonprofit world, right? Like I, I, my world was helping girls who had, you know, had had horrific things happen to them and had really been had challenging experiences. And so I think that perspective of like how we're handling crisis in the business world versus like the perspective of what's happening, right? Of, of in our broader communities. So I think that also helps me just have that like, all right, let's all breathe <laughs> and pull out, the, like figure out how we can I've been able to get watch to the other side of this. Be cool during tons of calm during major pressure, right? Uh, we were able to sort of watch from afar this past summer as you dealt with some bit, pretty big things. What about mo- like being a mom? Are, like in terms of like, 
four boys. Like, I'm sorry, you guys, and a husband, which so it's five boys. Okay, let's be serious. Yes, okay, it's five boys. <laughs> it's five boys. Yeah, like yeah, it's yeah real. Like, that's right. I how do you yeah. have you just remained calm the whole time, or <laughs> I'm not for the are, record. Like, are you freaking out in your head, Kimber, and you're just calm in the exterior? I really want to know this. Or like, are you truly just zen in your head? I know. Well, I, I think that's a gift to the boys, right? Because literally I sent my um, the oldest to school with like a broken finger one time because he had like, you know, done something crazy before school, like caught a football over the couch. And and I'm like, you still got to get to school. Like, and then nurse calls me and she's like... Mom of the year. Mom of the year. And I was like, no, it's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. And I was like, no, he's totally fine. And so I do think that that has been... Because right, the, there's the amount of crazy things that happen on my house in a given day. And I'm just like, everything's going to be fine. So, so you are like cool as a cucumber in your head. Sometimes it's not. God, I know, right? Like, I, it takes a lot to get me fired up. And and I will say, as a as a female leader working with men, I find that like it de-escalates the situations very very quickly, right? Because I, I get I've had an opportunity to work with some really high energy men, and and a lot of times they come in as male leaders ready to like jam something in or looking for a a, a debate or an argument or like they're ready to go. And I, I get, I mean, I lead our top leaders in the company, right? Majority of whom are men and will come in ready to like go hard with me on something. And I just like, I really use that as a strategy. It de-escalates and it gets us to solution. If you need to yell and scream about something, I'll politely tell you that like, this is, if you need to have that conversation, like we can hang up. And when you're ready to have a calm conversation with me, let's jump back into this. But yeah, so it's, it, I feel like it's, it's one of the skills that I continue to work on. <laughs> I love that. And for, for, I think out of all the co-hosts for Empire Building, I think V and I are the most non-calm. Okay, so this is like... I know, but I've seen Kimber fired up too. I want you oh. to know I've seen Kimber fired up. I, am I one of the few? Because I just... I think so. It reminds me of something. I, um, I had a coaching call with Gary last week and he said that he has to calm himself down during a tense situation. So it's that's why he has tea in his hand all the time, which I didn't know. And that's actually an intentional way of calming himself. And so for those of you that aren't as gifted like as Kimber in terms of staying calm or just straight up crazy like me, I now I'm like, what can I use as like the way to, because I, I do agree with her that that is the way to de-escalate when tensions are high. And it's a powerful part of being a leader is being able to keep things calm. Okay. I didn't know Gary did that. I do that. I hot beverages mm. uh, soothe me. Mm. Yeah. I didn't know he did that. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, I'm that's, that's actually a good hack. Okay, so I can we dive into one of the things that that I think you can teach everybody, Kimber, and you kind of alluded to it when you were talking about, you know, it doesn't matter who cooks the dinner, it matters who's sitting down to dinner. That is, you have to have a, a tremendous amount of leverage in your life, both personal and in business. You know, you have to lead and manage a lot of people. Can you kind of walk us through some leverage you have in your personal life to enable all of this? Absolutely. So on the home front, like I have four boys, one of right, we've heard. So one of whom is like 18 months. And so I have two people at home that help us, right? Like we had four boys home for a year. Uh, our kids just went back into school for literally for a few yeah. weeks to come back out for the summer. <laughs> so so I, that is a huge piece, right? Of having that to just be able to engage, manage school, manage the household. Um, and so that's a big piece of my home leverage. And then we just have a lot of support, right? In terms of just how the house operates and functions and and making sure that like, right, whether that's folks that are helping with meal prep and planning and, and just sort of those pieces so that we really do get the quality time and get to spend the time that that's most purposeful for us. So that's a big piece of it. 
And then we've got just a phenomenal team on the work side too. And this is, you know, this all sounds really nice. And the reality is every single one of our businesses are operational because there's somebody who How loves many people direct as report as we do to you, would you say, in, in your business, all of your various entities? Yeah, it's five. I don't have actually a ton of direct, direct reports. Um, and that's, you know, sometimes that gets out of whack when we have transitions, but I work really hard to, as fast as possible, get that, get the additional, right, continue to raise the that's leaders. Really so that I mean, they're that's, stepping that's up great. into that's positions fantastic. that allow I, I think that work. I've gone to yeah. a lot of trainings where they have espoused that and I've never actually seen it in real life. Most most companies that I have ever interviewed people for, any tech leaders, anyone I've ever talked to is kind of between 10 and 20 usually. So that's great. Can we ask a how, how question? This is awesome and I want I need to learn this better. How you said you quickly <laughs> said, you know, if, if, if I'm in a transition phase, you know, I move quickly to make sure that I don't have tons reporting to me to grow those leaders. Okay. How, how do you do that? Yes. Well, it's interesting. So I recently stood back into our brokerage business, right? So we operate uh, seven brokerage offices in the Maryland DC region, a thousand associates, five different leaders of each of those. And so when I stepped back in, I mean, all five of those six leaders were also reporting to me and I had vacancies, right? Mm. So really looking at where could we stack it, right? Where could they learn from each other? Where did I have a leader that could come in and provide that one-to-one support? Because the reality is like, if you say you're managing 20 people, you aren't. And the most important thing that we could do is the one-on-one, the most important gift we give to our our teams is the time that they get one-on-one with us. And so if I can only meet with you once a month, then are you really reporting to me, right? Like, no, you, you can't, right? So really looking for that space. I brought in somebody from the outside, right? Um, most recently at the beginning of this year to serve as sort of a leadership consultant and be that side-by-side person. And so that just, right, inserted that in to say, okay, I've got to get a buffer here because I'm going to do them a disservice in their leadership journey if I'm spread too thin. And I'm still spread too thin, right? And knowing that if I can't be the the voice mm. to be able to help them work through a problem or help coach up in their skills, then I've got to find so the person on my team that? for whom that could be or add them to the wow. team, which is not an easy process. Oh, I did so outsource smart. the tweet. Yeah. Okay. That I did. was gold yep. right there. I did. And it's been, you know, it, she's, it's also allowed her to engage as a leader and figure out that somebody that long-term we should bring onto the team, right? So it was sort of a great uh, opportunity for both of us. She was somebody that had been in the yes. world and we were like, okay, here's, I mean, well, a lot I, of pain. I think that's a really we, important distinction you're talking about the difference yeah. between sort of day-to-day management and then ultimate accountability. Mm. You know, like you can kind of divide that up a little bit. Like ultimately, probably they're they're probably somewhat accountable yes, to yeah. you for their results. But you're you're talking about outsourcing sort of coaching and, and like that, you know, yeah. day-to-day management and troubleshooting. Is that, did I read that right? That's smart. And the cadence. Absolutely. Yep. Yep, because how I have to look at myself as a leader and say, if they didn't succeed in the position, did I give them everything that they needed to be successful? And am I going to be able to answer that question if I only met with them for thirty minutes once a month? Did I was I really able to give them that versus saying, hey, there's somebody who is coaching you, training you, supporting you, holding you accountable to your goals on a weekly basis. And then when we look up in 30, 60, 90 days and, yeah. and you're not performing... You know, while we're on this, because we're talking, you know, we kind of led into this with like, what did you learn over the last year? I, I'm curious, what were like the one or two important lessons you learned early on that have become what I call DHBs, deeply held beliefs that that have just, you know, you think contributed to your success? Yeah, probably not early on enough is this ability to like fail faster, right? Like I like to hit my goals. I like to, <laughs> I don't like to fail. And so I hesitated a lot of times and I think I played smaller in the beginning of my journey professionally than I have certainly in the last three years. 
because I want, and I think for today's women, right. Well, a lot of times we're like, well, um, yeah. we don't even, we don't even put our name in the hat for the next opportunity because we don't think we're qualified enough. Whereas our male counterparts will, will shoot like five steps above where they're qualified for. And I think I definitely was, I, I definitely did that. So it was a tap, right? So I think that's a big piece of like really being willing to like jump in, put something in place, bring in somebody from the outside. If it doesn't work, like, okay, you're going to have to fix it anyway. But like making some of those decisions to help advance the business and yourself, right? Like that, I think was something that as I learned that, I was like, okay, it's people fail. I think that was actually my biggest piece of joining some of our mastermind groups was I looked up and all these amazing top performers who I I really admired, their businesses imploded and they put them back together. And Gary was like, I'm only more successful because I failed more than you. Like get up and do it again. I've watched you break glass ceilings, accomplish some pretty remarkable things. And as your friend, it makes me super proud. And also seeing failures that you've learned from along the way and how you've turned those into even better things. But I have to ask, like, what are you most proud of? What accomplishment and or glass ceiling have you broken that just like, man, you're proud of that? Yeah. I walked into a lot of rooms where I was the only person. I was the only black woman. I was the only like black person. I was the only feet. Like there was a lot of that, particularly in the last few years. And every time I would be in that room, I would make like, my goal Mm. was to not in the next year, be the only person in that room. And so that like my life mantra, this lift as you climb is such a big thing. Like, and, and I'm so proud, like the last year, right? You guys know, I took over leading our social equity task force, the first one that Keller Williams, and I think any real estate industry has taken on the task to look at this issue of diversity, equity, inclusion for a company of 180,000 employees, right? And that was just an extra volunteer thing that, that happened over the last year. And just this last week, right, we added, you know, Julia Lachey became the first ever uh, diversity, equity, inclusion director for Keller Williams. And so to me, like she was a leader on our task force, like mm. that is 100%. Like I'm so proud to be able to know that I look up in that room today, we have multiple people operating part in just the last year, right? We've got more black OPs, brown OPs in the company. We have more leaders in conversations to be regional directors. Like my, like, yeah, you want to leave the place better than you found it. And so as a leader, like, I feel like when I walk out of that room, it's going to look different. I'm crying over here. You guys can't see, can't see me. Uh, Our listeners can't, but um, that is what I'm most proud of as well in terms of watching you. I have two beautiful uh, brown baby girls and I love to be able to show them pictures of Kimber and just they see that that can be me. Whatever I, whatever they set their mind to, they can accomplish. And I think I it starts that. by being the person to put your name in the ring, right? By, be, by putting yourself out there because the first person that does that shows everyone behind you that they can do it too. And um, man, I'm proud. That's awesome. And I get asked a lot, right? Like it's, you're doing super, like these were not roles that I necessarily wanted to even raise my hand for as the regional director role is when I said no to multiple times. And Sarah, that was it, right? Like there had never been a black female regional director. Um, I think I'm the highest ranking female executive in the real estate industry across all brokerages. That had never been done. And so I didn't want to, that wasn't, I had, I was like, I have three kids. My mom had just passed away. I, I was like, I can't do this right now. And one of the conversations we had in our house was like, you're going to break a ceiling and you're going to show people, even Ugh. if you do it for a year, that you're going to change the face of what's possible. And 
So sometimes you do things, right? Particularly as women, as women of color. You know, Kimber, I remember talking to you during that time. And I remember I I just looked and I was like, nope, you can't do this right now. And you have to do this right now. You have to do it for everybody. Like you, you almost had, I'm like, I'm sorry, but you've got this obligation Mm -hmm. when you have this much gift and, and this much talent. And I know that was hard at the time. Like, so, I mean, in a way, I feel like thank you for your sacrifice because I know that was a really hard time. But, but I also, I mean, what a blessing you've been to, to not only me personally, to so many women. Yes. I feel like I'm going to cry too now. No, I'm, wow. I'm like, yeah. How did this turn into that? Yeah. Oh, geez. <laughs> well, I think Choking my mom, you know, <laughs> such an example. I know. Thanks, ladies. It is almost, <laughs> yeah, no, but. But I think about that and my mom was such that too. And I didn't realize a lot of that until after she passed away. And so many women mm. came forward and were like, your mom opened the door for me as an educator, as a principal. And and so it, there was a piece of me that was like, you know what, this is, you know, like this is a legacy I stepped into with being raised by this powerful woman who led, but lit it, you know, I'm opened curious, the door just kind of circling back. So something I'm very proud What of. fails or fail are you most grateful for? You talked a lot about, we've talked a lot about putting yourself out there and just kind of being willing to go for it, you know? What fail really shaped you the most, uh, helped you the most that you want to share? Yeah. You know, I think uh, when I led our sales team for many, many years, it was a very flat organization. Everyone reported to me. Um, and I think, you know, you think this is the this is the best thing, right? <laughs> like we're running this small, tight machine. And yet I wasn't raising up the leaders, mm. right? Like I wasn't raising up the leaders. And some of them left our organization and went on to become really great leaders other places. And I think because I felt like, you know, the leaders in our company, they, they needed me, the, my, you know, the consumers, the age, the people we were serving needed to see me. And the reality was that they didn't, right? What they needed was that I was creating that space and opportunity for them. It was definitely a huge lesson for me. And so it's, it's sort of, right, when we talk about bringing in other people faster and being less attached to, so we all know right now, like, it, it actually isn't about you. <laughs> it's not about you as the leader. And so that was probably one that, our industry is really good at doing, right? It's very seductive in that way. You're the leader. You're the one that everyone wants. And the reality is yeah. not. <laughs> so, that so was Kimber, what are your superpowers? I wish I'd learned faster. Yes, it is. I agree. Mm. Well, I do think that calm one. Yeah, but not that a, much. Even though you've seen the I'm in the of privileged that, view like, on that. I'm like, hold it together, hold it together. <laughs> you are in the privileged view. But I think that composure, that calm, that like, you know, that I'm the person that you ask. So like, I love like, I am relentless. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm, it may not always look like it. And sometimes I'll leave very quietly from, you know, as my husband would say, that's probably not the case, but, but I don't give up easily. So it takes a lot. I'm willing to, to keep fighting, which sometimes <laughs> leads to all this mess, which is beautiful, but crazy. So I think those are two big ones, right? The, the relentless. That. Well, uh, uh, honestly, I could I could keep person. going <laughs> for yeah. I've I've so many more uh, questions. Unfortunately, we can't because uh, yeah. I'm sure you're scheduled for something right after this. <laughs> um, but honestly, this was an amazing interview, as we knew it would be, um, and I learned uh, so much from you. And just to sort of recap for our listeners, you know, balance is a lie, right? Um, we give you permission to um, live a counterbalanced life and to really lean into leverage. That's what uh, Kimber has been an amazing example for. And then at the same time, making sure that we are out there breaking glass ceilings. What is the thing that you right now are not asking for? 
What do you want that you're not saying right now? What room do you want to be in that you're not going for? Follow Kimber's inspiration. She's inspired me to do do that, and I hope she's inspired you. Um, But honestly, it is a true honor to have you on Mm. uh, this podcast, Kimber. And thank you, thank you, thank you for being an example of um, having a big business and an awesome, awesome big life. Thank you, guys. That's right. Thank you. We love you, Kimber. Thanks for listening to Empire Building. If you like what you heard, join our tribe by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform and help us spread the word by leaving a five-star rating and review. Until next time, wishing you a life worth living. And remember, you are an empire builder.